The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because hey listen remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like i'm serious if that leaks over the counter it'll be a slimy abomination by the time i get back and i was like yeah 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 of course don't worry about it i won't forget (laughs) well oh yeah that happens so start clean with clorox use clorox products as directed rinse after use if in contact with food surface Lamar Jackson tweet, and I can't really make it out, and it's not showing up on my sheet here. Great company. Oh, Hard Rock Sportsbook. Now I can see, now that my eyes have focused, quarterbacks in NFL history with some big number passer rating and some number of pass touchdowns. I'm glad this isn't an eye test at the DMV. But uh, Lamar Jackson, in good company is what he has to say. The problem is he's yet to get his long-term contract, and all those other guys had agents that's one of the big issues here and i i personally think as we get deeper and deeper into this more and more people are realizing that it probably would have been a good idea for lamar jackson to have an agent all along and it probably would be a good idea for him to go get one now when i talk to people around the league the thought is he's never going to do it because he's never going to want to admit expressly or implicitly that he should have had an agent all along but he needs one now more than ever and no matter of talk no matter the amount of talk by me or you peter or anyone else he's not going to change his mind that's the prevailing thought what are your prevailing thoughts after a rollicking week of news with lamar jackson available as of next week to talk to any team negotiate with any team sign an offer sheet with the team of his choosing with the ravens could then match if they choose it's been a nutty week uh, give me your your big picture observation on on what you think is going on with Lamar Jackson. Well, Mike, last Friday would have been a good time to be sort of in regular PFT live mode uh, because I was at the combine and I, this wasn't just agents, but it was people from teams basically kept making the point, this is the week right now, right here, that an agent would have more than paid off 
for Lamar Jackson. And the reason is, as you know, Mike, at the NFL scouting combine every year, there are, you know, every, every agent is there in this sort of six block radius of downtown Indianapolis. You can't walk one block without seeing, uh, without seeing multiple agents slash GMs, scouts, coaches. They're all there. All of them are there. Well, except for some of the head coaches now. But, but they're, so, so they're all there. And to think that Agent X, if he represented Lamar Jackson, wouldn't run into, let's invent, uh, Jets GM Joe Douglas and say, hey, Joe, how you doing? And to walk with him for two blocks or to be in St. Elmo's uh, and and run into him at the bar and say, hey, uh, you know, I got Lamar and blah, 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 blah. And all of these conversations, that is what truly sculpts the market for a player. Agents leave the scouting combine knowing exactly what their, their clients <coughs> are going to be up for starting Monday in the legal tampering period. They know exactly, I shouldn't say exactly, they know pretty much approximately what the market for, like Javon Hargrave's agent, Drew Rosenhaus, he pretty much knows the approximate nature of what the market is going to be for Javon Hargrave, one of the best players in free agent, in free agency. All of these guys who have desirable players and who probably are going to get either deals or get deep into their deals on Monday and Tuesday, they'll all know what they're getting. And that is one of the big issues right now with Lamar Jackson. There's nobody who can say, hey, listen, I have Lamar's ear. Let me tell you what I'm thinking. And an agent saying, hey, uh, you know, here's what I think we can do. And there's nobody. Look, you have said this 64 times in the last year, and it is positively correct. And what you have said essentially is the agent is the guy who understands what the market is and can say things to Eric DaCosta in negotiations and Eric DaCosta can say things back to him that Lamar Jackson is not going to say to DaCosta in their meeting, which I heard they had somewhere in Florida recently. And DaCosta is not going to say those things to Lamar. But Lamar has to understand that this contract is not just as easy as saying, I want what he got. There are issues that need to be discussed and bartered and argued about. And Eric DaCosta doesn't want to argue with Lamar Jackson because he's got to be his quarterback. He doesn't want Lamar Jackson saying, I hate that DaCosta and I hate the Ravens. So the middleman gets the hatred. How do you think the, you know, how do you, do you think all of these teams, you know, Russell Wilson's agent, Mark Rogers, how do you think John Schneider and the Seahawks felt about him at the end? Not real good. How do you think he felt about John Schneider and Pete Carroll? Not real good. 
But that is what this business is. Agents wear the flak jackets. General managers wear the flak jackets. They take the shrapnel. And so the player doesn't have to because it's bad for the player to take the shrapnel. And so I'm just saying, I don't want to do a commercial for agents, but for whatever you pay them, whatever it is, Mike, 3%, what, I, I don't know. But at this point, especially after Lamar has played the last two years after being an MVP, and he's played the last two years for whatever the number is, 25, 26 million total in the last two years. I, you know, I, I doubt sincerely, Tom Pelissero made this point this week on Rich Eisen's show. I doubt sincerely that an agent would have let him, you know, play at least one of those years at the rate of pay that he was making, which obviously was far below the market of what an MVP quarterback should make. Peter, this was the point that Miles Simmons and I made yesterday because Miles made that same comment. You don't set on the f- foot on the field in year four. Forget about year five. You don't play in year four without your second contract. And that's exactly what Eric Burkhart said to reporters last year as an unnamed source. And the reports started to come out. That's what an agent does. The agent knows the reporters. He was clearly the source when Pelissero reported that he's not setting foot on the field. It wasn't Kyler Murray. It was either Kyler Murray or Eric Burkhart. Of course it was Eric Burkhart. And then we get the single space, eight-point font, Ted Kaczynski, Unabomber manifesto (laughs) that Burkhart put on Twitter. Right? If you don't have an agent, that doesn't happen. That's part of what the agent does. And Peter, Peter... This is a combination, and we're getting closer to the point where the NFL Players Association is going to be in the crosshairs for the criticism here because between Richard Sherman, who was the typhoid Mary of this, hey, players can represent themselves and not get screwed, and he was dead wrong because he got screwed by the 49ers. And And it's one thing for a guy to say, it's just my choice, like Bobby Wagner. It's just my choice, and he did well for himself, frankly, negotiating his own deals with the Seahawks and then with the Rams, but... When Sherman, because he's got an anti-agent bias, decides he's going to wave this flag for get rid of your agent, and guys listen to him, they're the ones who get screwed. And Lamar Jackson, I believe, has it in his head, I don't need to pay 3%. I don't need to pay 2%. I don't need to pay 1%. And the money doesn't come out of your game check. you got to write that check at the end of the year. So it feels like a bigger deal. It's like paying quarterly taxes. And guys don't want to do it. So penny-wise and pound-foolish is what that reality has been, especially for a guy like Lamar Jackson. And it's a damn shame for him because you're right. Last week is the time to find out what's out there. And if there's nothing out there, Peter, if, if the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Dolphins truly aren't interested, a good agent finds a way to create interest a out of nothing. Do me a favor here. Do me a favor here. Do me a favor here. Yeah and make an offer. Do me a favor here and bring him in for a visit. Do me yeah. a favor and sit yeah. down with him. Just let me let me have something I can use to try to get someone to come out of the weeds and pursue him. That's what a good agent does. When you have no agent, you have no one trying to create interest when otherwise, in Jackson's case, there is none. Mike, you know, one of the parts of the Lamar Jackson story that I smiled at because I talked to a lot of teams at the scouting combine. And I I can just tell you that the list of teams that was given 
that has no interest in Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying it's Gorgonzola, but I'm saying that uh, there was one or two teams on that list that have some interest in Lamar Jackson. I'm just telling you. When a beat writer might ask a general manager, do you have any interest in Lamar Jackson? Knowing that the general manager has a quarterback uh, who's the very likely starting quarterback on his team, he's going to say, no, got no interest in Lamar Jackson. And I'm not saying that that team will end up having any interest in Lamar Jackson. But I know by my conversations last week in Indianapolis that... All these teams that say they have no interest in Lamar Jackson, that is not necessarily the case. That's all I'm saying. Right, but if you... And, and, I, I hear you. And, and I'm not saying that any of those teams will either bring them in or do anything like that. But you just made exactly the point that needs to be made. If Agent X could uh, sit down with uh, Scott Fitterer, the GM of the Carolina Panthers... For, for a drink, for with Joe Douglas, general manager of the Jets, for a drink, for a coffee at the JW Marriott, right? whatever, whatever, sit down with any of those guys, then you will know exactly if the general manager trusts the agent to keep it absolutely, you know, under the table until such point that there is a meeting, then... That is what an agent does, and that is how an agent could have helped Lamar Jackson. Look, it doesn't get any simpler than this. Last year, Deshaun Watson, 20-plus civil lawsuits alleging sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions pending against him. And yet still, David Mulugeta of Athletes First, number one, gets the Texans to be willing to trade him, which they were before all that stuff happened two years ago as of March 17. That's the anniversary of the first lawsuit. That stuff was still boiling. He was able to get four teams to come to the table. The Saints, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Browns. The Falcons had Matt Ryan. The the Falcons alienated Matt Ryan. The Falcons had a restructured contract agreed to with Matt Ryan that would have kept him in Atlanta last year. And that blew up when they decided to go flirt with Deshaun Watson. And the Browns had Baker Mayfield. And that blew up when they decided to go flirt with Deshaun Watson. My point is, if you have an agent... The agent sets that up. The agent works those back channels. The agent gets everyone to the table, and it worked to perfection. And setting aside the whole non-exclusive franchise tag thing and the two first-round picks, maybe there's a trade to be made here. And I've been saying this for a long time as well, Peter. If Because we don't know what Lamar Jackson really wants. Does he want to be with the Ravens, or does he want to be with someone else? We just don't know. If he truly doesn't want to be with someone else, he needs to say so. And which he could do through his agent. And then the agent sets up a Deshaun Watson style competition for his services. And if that would ever happen, maybe he does end up with one team getting desperate and doing something that we would objectively say is dumb, like the Browns did. But for the Browns, it was the right move. The five-year fully guaranteed Deshaun Watson contract. And and if nothing else, Peter, an agent could help Lamar Jackson understand how it was that Watson got it. It just didn't fall out of the sky. It took a lot of work. It probably took some luck. And it's the planets lining up just right. You got to have an agent help you align the planets. And that's what Lamar Jackson refuses to understand. And I said this yesterday. 
At a certain point, he's responsible for his own life and his own choices and his own failure to understand how an agent would help him. And, I, you know, I'm at the point where I've said all I can to try to help this guy. If he wants to have no long-term deal, no financial security, play year to year or not play at all, because you know what, Peter, we may get to a point where he's got $32.4 million as his salary for 2023 because he hasn't signed a long-term contract and he just says, I'm not playing for that. And he just doesn't play this year. If he wants to continue down this path, it's his business. The the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness includes within that implicitly the right to screw your life up if you want to. And if he wants to do it, more power to him. Mike, let's let me go 125 degrees different on the Lamar Jackson story. I understand that you have discussed it a lot this week, but I haven't been on. There's just two points I want to make. One is, I think one of the things that, to me, in listening to all the talk and in reading some of the stuff about it, it's always the the equivalent of, in a 28-paragraph story, one paragraph, 80% down into the story. Okay? And that paragraph is this. Lamar Jackson, over the last two seasons, has missed 34% of the snaps due to injury. And in the 12 December and January games that the Baltimore Ravens have played in the last two seasons, Lamar Jackson has started and finished one. And I had somebody at the Combine when I made this point. I had someone at the Combine say to me, well, if he had a new contract, if he had a contract, he would have found a way to play in that playoff game this year uh, against um, uh, against the Bengals. And I said, well, wait a second. I believe that. I believe that. Are you saying? Okay. Well, okay. If you do believe it, then you believe that Lamar Jackson boycotted the uh, the playoff, an NFL playoff game. Because he was dissatisfied with his contract. Okay? No. There's no that's other... Not how, there's, that's not how I'd frame it. No. There is a, there is a different way to frame it, Of course it, you wouldn't frame, frame it that it way. But it is, the, it is the reality. It is the reality no, of it. No. If that's you believe that Lamar reality. Jackson was healthy enough... If you believe he was healthy enough to play in that game and didn't play, then Lamar Jackson boycotted a playoff game. I don't choose to no. believe that because I don't know. I don't know. But if you believe there's no other explanation, how can you explain it any other way? Here, here it is. Well, I'll, 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 I'll explain it to you. Players play all the time when they're less than 100%. All the time. They find a way to play when they're less than 100%. Now, if I'm Lamar Jackson I, and I have yet to get the financial reward that I have earned, that I earned my second season, I was the 32nd pick in the draft. I have been paid peanuts, and the Ravens have not yet given me the financial reward that I have earned, and I have no security of any kind beyond this season. If I go out and play and I have an RG3 outcome in this playoff game, I've got nothing for 2023. I'm not guaranteed a penny from anyone. My contract is expiring, so my client will not be playing at anything less than 100% absent the financial security that he has earned. And if you have an agent, and see, here's what happened. It was a groundswell of anti-Lamar sentiment. 
And people in the media were saying he's not playing when he could be playing. And people in the locker room were like, what's the deal? Why isn't he playing? If he'd had an agent, that agent could have been calling up the people who were calling him out and explaining the situation to them. Now, of course, if he had an agent, he would have had a contract. That's where this becomes dog chasing tail, you know. Um, And it's a point that Chris Sims likes to make, and I think he's absolutely right. Some of the guys in the locker room were just exasperated by the whole thing because he probably should have taken the best offer that was on the table in August. Then this wouldn't have been an issue. He's got his financial security. It's not the Ravens' fault he doesn't have his contract. But when you get to the point where at the end of the contract and you don't have a contract beyond this game and you're not 100%, why would you play? So I, I, that, I understand why he did what he did if he was under 100%. It's just hard to sell it to the world if you don't have someone who's out there to explain it on your behalf. All I will say about all that is, listen, if, you know, whatever the reasons, whatever the reasons, he started and finished one game in the last two years in December and January when the games are most important. So to think, if you're Lamar Jackson... To think that you were going to get four or five years fully guaranteed. I mean, here's here's my I guess my 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 counter to that is a general manager who gives Lamar Jackson that contract, and if history repeats itself uh, in the first year of the contract, how do you like the job security of that general manager? What, what would happen if your owner called you in and said, didn't this guy miss uh, all the games in December and January the last two years? And now he's got a knee sprain and he's missing time again late in the year. Why exactly did we do this? Why did you do this? Why did you sign this guy to a fully guaranteed contract? I mean, that is one of the parts of this that I simply don't understand. And I don't understand why it's being minimized by virtually everybody in the news media. But it is. It's being minimized. No one talks about it much at all. It has much less to do with, uh, with you know, huge dollars and all that, in my opinion, and, and whatever potential guarantees there are. It has much less to do with that than it does with the simple fact He's missed 34% of the snaps the last two years. And that should be a factor when I'm talking about signing a guy to the biggest contract in the history of my franchise. Well, the problem is, again, without an agent, there's no one to engage in those discussions to give the pros and cons, the ups and downs. And even though I believe there's a chance that Daniel Snyder and the commanders are waiting for the opportunity to pounce on Lamar Jackson, I've explained it multiple times. I wrote about it yesterday. Above all else, it's the ultimate middle finger for Daniel Snyder to give the league office and his partners on his way out the door because they don't want fully guaranteed contracts. And, and oh, by the way, whoever buys the team is the one that has to ultimately pay it. But let's assume that nobody moves on Lamar Jackson because he's just not capable without an agent of working out a deal that he would find acceptable. Peter, I think that Eric DaCosta very possibly will be in a situation during training camp where he has to choose between paying Lamar Jackson more than $32.4 million for this year 
and having Lamar Jackson not play at all. I think that is a step in this process that we are far closer to but don't you than we think, realize. Don't you, th- Mike, don't you think, because, listen, I proposed this in my column this week. Sign Lamar Jackson to a fully guaranteed two-year contract. Why not? Sign him two years, pick a number, 90 million, whatever it is, fully guaranteed. And he'd be a free agent again at age 28, two years from now. And, and, but then the Ravens would have two guaranteed years. And let's just say that Lamar Jackson is healthy as a mule these next two years. You know, let's say he's Cal Ripken. You know, he, he's going he's gonna to be fantastic. Okay. Then that, is, that would be, in my opinion anyway, that would be the perfect outcome for both the Ravens and for Lamar Jackson because the Ravens would have given a guy who has been a really good player for them, an MVP, one of the best quarterbacks in football, they'd be rewarding him with what he wants, a guaranteed contract for not the length of time that he wants, but you're going to get another bite at the apple two years from now. And, and so what I'm saying is, Mike, I bet Eric DaCosta, if if the only alternative was one year, 40 million, or he doesn't play, I bet Eric DaCosta would say, pay him. Uh, at least in my opinion. We got to go to break, but here, here it is in a nutshell. Now, again, without an agent, it's virtually impossible for this to get done. But two years of the tag at the non-exclusive level is 71 million. Two years of the tag at the exclusive level is 99 million. And I agree with you. There's a number between 71 and 99, two years, fully guaranteed, no franchise tag after that, no restriction on going to the open market. They could work that out. But without an agent, the chances of that happening are somewhere between slim and none. Let's go ahead and take a break. A quick preview of pre of a quick. Let me try that again. A quick preview of free agency. Fool me. Can't get fooled again. More PFT lie right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. 
because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave. Show me something, Daniel Jones. Show me those beautiful North Carolina legs. Oh, no. Have you seen this, Peter? Have we showed this? No. Those are the Arizona legs. That was a great set that Dan Patrick had in Scottsdale. Look at that view. I miss Arizona. Yeah. It's already been four weeks. That was right. Yeah, time just You know what that was? Rockets. That was... That was at the uh, San Francisco Giants ballpark. It was way up in the right field bleachers, like in the concourse beyond the right field seats. And uh, it was absolutely beautiful. It, it really was. It was great. I said, man, I wish they were playing exhibition games today. I'd go. That is quite the background, much better than what we had at Radio Row, but a lot easier to get the guests. I ran into a couple of guys from DP show and, you know, when, when they're all just walking through the car wash, it's a lot easier to grab them. It's a lot harder to get people yeah. to go however far it was to Scottsdale. But it was a great set and uh, looked good. Uh, and uh, I don't know that those count as North Carolina legs, but uh, Daniel Jones using his North Carolina arm to sign the contract this week took him out of the mix for free agency, not that we ever expected him to be in it. Do you, what are your big picture expectations? And, and look, technically it begins Wednesday, but we all know it starts Monday at noon when agents and teams can start negotiating because they've loosened the rules to the point where we'll know 80% of the deals are more by the time Wednesday rolls around. Yeah, I think this is going to be the year of um, the totally non-sexy free agent class. And I think you're also going to see more teams sitting out the first few days and letting the market settle a little bit. But, you know, there are going to be some good players in here, some players that will definitely get paid. I think Orlando Brown, the the left tackle of Kansas City, is going to get paid. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle of the 49ers. Javon Hargrave, the defensive tackle um, of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, A couple of corners, Jamel Dean, James Bradbury. But... You don't have, Mike, that one guy who everybody is going to be saying, we got to get in a bidding war to get X. It may turn out to be that Javon Hargrave will will engender a bidding war. But at this point, when I was at the Combine last week, I just kept getting these, these, you know, shakes of the head and just say, not really excited about free agency this year. Yeah, and look, the franchise tag takes the best players out of play. And the other reality, too, is I think teams have learned over time that it really is fool's gold when you start going out and overspending. And different teams will make big expenditures in free agency for different reasons. And one is, hey, if we can't win between September and January, we may as well win a press conference or two in March. Let's at least create the appearance we're trying. Let's spend some of this money that we have to spend anyway, and some guys benefit from that some guys with recognizable names like Orlando Brown and then other guys that are less recognizable end up getting big contracts I want to say one thing about Brown though I've heard that that maybe the expectations are a little too high 
and that some teams realize when you're Patrick Mahomes left tackle, it's it's a little easier to do the blocking when you've got a guy that can that can buy a lot of time with his legs. And uh, th- there's a thought that maybe he's better off on the right side and that he's asking for too much. And, uh, you know, maybe that's the wisdom of why the Chiefs didn't tag him. Maybe he's going to find out that the money's not out there. And at the end of the day, Peter, he just goes back to Kansas City. I think there's definitely a chance that happens, Mike, because I think that all things being equal, uh, Kansas City definitely would like him back. And I don't know what he wants uh, in terms of money or his desire, but why wouldn't you want to be Patrick Mahomes' left tackle for the next six years? (laughs) You know, why wouldn't you want to be on a team that every year entering training camp, you have a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl? So, look, I, I think... But I think this is good for Orlando Brown. Maybe you have a team with legitimate cap money, like the Bears, for instance, who say, this, we're we're gonna go for the pot of gold. And we're gonna take the guy we think is the best tackle in free agency. We're gonna give him, I don't know, make up the number, 25 million a year, whatever it is. We're gonna do that. And that's not something that maybe he gets in Kansas City. I don't know. But I also think this, Mike, that, In a year like this, where there's a lot of teams saying, boy, I don't know about this class. I do think that in the first, however, you know, 24 hours of the market, where maybe on average, if you look back, there's 30 legitimate contracts agreed to, you know, in the first 24 hours. Just my guess is that it's going to be something less than that this year. Well, we'll see how it plays out. But we know that ever since they changed the rules back in, I think, 2013-ish, deals will get done, and we'll hear about them quickly starting on Monday at noon Eastern. Odell Beckham Jr. is available to sign a deal right now if he wants to with anyone. And when he did a free agency tour during the 2022 season, he refused to work out. Now what he's doing, in lieu of going to the teams and working out, which he could still do, this reminded me of the Colin Kaepernick workout from 2019 where – any team could bring him in anytime they wanted to. He could go work out, but it sounds like he just wants to work out one time. One time and one time only. You want to see what I can do? Come to Arizona today for the workout. The Giants are expected to attend. I thought it was odd that it came together so quickly and there wasn't a whole lot of notice. I wonder if everybody who wanted to go actually has the ability to go. We just first heard about it on Thursday, and then we heard, hey, it's happening today in Arizona But, you know, Peter, I think this is a guy who has yet to realize no one's going to give him what he's looking for until he comes back and proves he can play, stay healthy, and perform at a high level. Mike, over the last three football seasons, 20, 21, and 22, Odell Beckham Jr., on average, has played seven games per year, has caught 22 passes per year, for 285 yards per year. And he's also had two ACL surgeries. He will be 31 years old this season. And my question is, there comes a time when the clock has ticked. And I'm not saying that Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't have good football left in him. I think he probably does. But this is not a player who I'd spend a lot of guaranteed money on, that's for sure. 
I'd like to have him on my team. I'd like to have him in training camp. But I have no idea how many games I'm going to get out of him if I sign him to a, you know, a three- or four-year contract. It may seem unfair because of what happened to him on the brink of becoming a free agent in 2022 with the torn ACL in a Super Bowl game where he very well may have been the MVP of the game. But no one is going to give him $20 million a year if that's what he's looking for. I think his best chance is a one-year contract, prove himself, become a free agent next year, and 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 hope for the best. Uh, that's just the simple reality of this juncture of Odell Beckham's career. Let's take a break. When we return, Sauce Gardner saying some things on Thursday night that raise even more eyebrows about the connection between Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. We'll discuss that when this Friday edition of PFD Live continues right after this. Share the field with Aaron Rodgers, one of, if not the best quarterback in the league right now. Ultimately putting that cheese head on at the end of the game, like like I was on top of the world. No, that's my rookie season. Let's put that behind. Let me tell y'all what even greater feeling was. You know, the conversation that me and Aaron Rodgers had. He settled our differences, you know, about the cheese head and everything like that. And, uh, Man, we outside right now. My dog, Brees. Brees in the cut. Brees just pulled up. Uh, oh, bro, we got G5 over here, man. Touch of the cheese, hey, when it's going, it's... Gonna turn the cheese sauce. Come on. Oh. I bet yeah. that smell. I would. Uh, you think that's? I, I would say. I would say that toxic fumes likely <laughs> emanated from the burning cheese head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Remember, remember when we were kids and like somebody would burn up. styrofoam. I I've, I assume yeah. it's some sort of a foam that emits a noxious black, don't inhale it type of a gas when uh, when yeah. set to fire. So hopefully nobody was near the fumes of the burning cheese head. Um, more importantly, on Thursday night, Sauce Gardner was doing a live stream. He had Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall with him. And he said that there will be package deals if Aaron Rodgers joins the Jets. And... There was no further elaboration, Peter, but when you consider that Aaron Rodgers has already listed the guys that he wants the Packers to keep if he were to stay, my guess is those are the guys he wants to bring with him to Green Bay. Randall Cobb, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, etc. Guys who are going to be free agents and guys the Jets can sign. And look, the way the Jets are doing this, and they're creating the expectation they're going to go after him, they're creating excitement among the fan base, they put the entire brain trust of the team on a plane and flew to California to kiss the ring and or the butt of Aaron Rodgers. If he wants those guys on the team, I mean, look, the Packers brought back Randall Cobb instantaneously when Rodgers was unhappy with the front office two years ago. If that's what it's going to take to get him to sign with the Jets or to accept a trade more accurately to the Jets, yeah, all those Packers. And look, you can argue we, we, we got to have guys on the roster anyway. And if they make Aaron more comfortable – in his first year in Green, in, in not in Green Bay, his first year with the Jets, so be it. Look, you know, one of the things about this that I'm not surprised at at all. If you're Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I'm sure he has met Robert Sala and he knows, or, you know, he at least knows who Joe Douglas is. Wouldn't you want, if you were going to spend the last two years of your career, theoretically, at least one, but probably two, wouldn't you want to meet the owner, the general manager, the coach, uh, and probably, I'm sure that Nathaniel Hackett was on that plane too. 
in, in that meeting in Malibu as well. But wouldn't you want to meet all those guys who you probably, I doubt he's ever met, even met Woody Johnson before. But these are the guys who are going to control, have a good uh, chance of controlling whether you're going to contend in the next two years. So I would want to meet them. And the fact that he did choose to spend time with them says to me that he's serious about agreeing to a trade and to leaving the Green Bay Packers. And that he believes that the Packers probably, probably would prefer that their quarterback to make a clean break, that their quarterback this year is Jordan Love. So I think it was, you know, pragmatic of him. And it also tells me that he's most likely going to play this year, or at least is going to want to play this year. So I think there are a lot of clues to be gathered by, uh, by, you know, by what happened with that meeting in California. Well, and look, again, they went to see him. He didn't go to see them. They're trying to sell him. He's not trying to sell them. And it was Woody Johnson. Right. I'm told it was his brother, Christopher. It was team president, head coach, GM, offensive coordinator. And they're not auditioning him. He's auditioning them. They And, and Peter, I just think it's a practical matter. I wrote about this yesterday. The Jets have to finish this now. What is plan B? Sorry we didn't get Aaron Rodgers. Will you settle for Jimmy Garoppolo? I just don't think the fan base is going to accept any quarterback solution for 2023 at this point other than Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. Nor should they. Uh, You know, they have been fed all through this, the silent treatment about Aaron Rodgers, which, listen, it would have been very easy for the Jets, very easy for them to say to one or two of their local beat guys, been very easy to say, hey, Ixnay on the Rodgers say, or whatever that would be, that we're, we're not interested in Aaron Rodgers. And that, that was never said. And so the, the teams in New York have a way of getting messages across without issuing a public statement. Those messages were never gotten across. There's no question that the Jets want Aaron Rodgers. And it's been that way for most of the last month. So in my opinion, Mike, it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. That's right. And now now there there is a chance that we have to take a break, but there is a chance the Raiders could get back in the mix because the Las Vegas locally account on Twitter, which is followed by 240,000 accounts, just tweeted that actually this is from last night. It just came to my attention. A state senator in Nevada has introduced a bill that decriminalizes magic mushrooms. So the Raiders may have a shot at uh, at Aaron Rodgers. Let's take a break. So you're More saying there's a right chance. Yes. Peter met with Bears GM Ryan Poles last Saturday at the Scouting Combine. There was extensive commentary in Peter's latest football morning in America. But the bottom line is this. It's now become a given that the Bears are going to trade out of the top spot. There was some mystery entering the Combine. There is none now. The question is when. I'm fascinated by the when, Peter. The right time to make the move. And he's suggested they could do it now. They could do it when they're on the clock. I think they could make multiple moves. I think they could go one to two, two to four, four to seven, still get a great player, 
and keep piling up picks as they drop farther and farther down for each additional team to come up and get a quarterback. What's your sense as to the when they're going to pull this deal off? I think there was a reason, whether it was extremely well thought out or not, there was a reason that uh, Ryan Poles told me flat out, I have one offer right now that is, you know, an exchange of first round picks plus a team's 24 and 25 first round pick. Okay, which is not outlandish at all. A lot of people cherry pick that out of my column and said, oh, no way, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. Well, how do you know? How do you know, you know, if if it's the Carolina Panthers making that offer, that's a little bit at number nine, that's a little bit different than the Indianapolis Colts at number four making that offer. If the Carolina Panthers move from nine to one, let's just remember, the 49ers move from 12 to three, which is very similar, but not quite as drastic a jump because it doesn't involve the number one pick in the draft. To move from 12 to three, the 49ers gave up number 12, first round pick, two future ones, and a number three. So why in the world would it be outlandish for Ryan Poles to say that he's got an offer right now on the table already of the 24 and 25 number one? That's the first thing I would say. But the second thing I would say, Mike, what is even better, and I didn't write about this, but it's, it's true. What is even better for Ryan Poles right now is that there is not just one player who teams will consider uh, for the first pick in the draft. There are some teams, I'm sure, that aren't going to want to pick a 5'10 quarterback, number one. That they would prefer C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson or maybe even Will Levis. Uh, Maybe not at number one, but they would prefer them to a 5'10 quarterback. And there are some teams who are going to listen to Bill O'Brien, who will tell them if they ask, the height is absolutely a non-factor. We never considered it when we were doing game plans. Uh, height is no longer a factor in spread offenses in the NFL. So be all that as it may, the Bears are in fantastic position, if they so choose, to trade to number two and then also do a ransom. Let's say get the second pick in the draft and something, or the second pick in the draft and then a two plus something else from Houston, and then go flip that pick again, either to four or to nine, or if they really want to hit the jackpot, go to 16 or 19 with Washington or Tampa Bay, which I doubt sincerely that'll happen, but that is when you will absolutely get drunk on future high draft picks. The most important thing to remember, too, when you consider this dynamic of trading up and what it takes to trade up, the aftermath of taking that quarterback at the higher spot as the number one overall pick. Look at Trey Lance, all the extra pressure on him, not just being the third overall pick, but everything they gave up to go get him. I think that's part of what these teams need to take into account when they consider moving up in a year where there are plenty of different options at quarterback and Most of the teams in the top 10 have a feeling that when we get through free agency, they're still going to be very much in need of a quarterback 
when the draft rolls around. Let's take a break. Our draft rolls around. We're focusing on the best quarterbacks in the NFL, 25 or younger. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. under duress scrambling away sets his feet throws downfield adjustment caught mike williams oh my goodness oh my goodness this will be a 43 yard kick from the right hash snap kick is up and it is good what a drive justin herbert turns 25 today so in honor of justin herbert we're going to do a draft of the best quarterbacks, 25 and under today's subject. Peter, you get the honors. I'm going to be controversial here, Mike. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. And I'm taking Jalen Hurts wow. because of something that happened this year when I was covering an Eagles game, of all things, Eagles against Jacksonville. After the game, spent a few minutes with Hurts, who I had never met before. And then spent maybe 10 minutes with um, Nick Sirianni. And Nick Sirianni told me that that week, on the Tuesday of that week, at 9 o'clock in the evening, now, this is a player's day off, he looked around and there's Jalen Hurts, you know, making notes about the game plan and they're going to come in next week or the next day and introduce it to everybody, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, will you get out of here? I mean, this this is his day off, but that is the level of dedication. And it all panned out. And I love Justin Herbert. This is when I knew we were going to do this, and I said, oh, my God, how am I going to pick between them? Flip a coin. I just really like what I saw this year out of Jalen Hurts, especially playing in some very, very big games and taking that job by the throat. I'll take Jalen Hurts number one overall. Hard to argue with that. And when I saw the list that they've offered up to us, which does not include Davis Mills, by the way, but when, when I saw the list of the quarterbacks <laughs> 25 and under, I thought, where's all due respect to Davis Mills? I thought, where's Joe Burrow? Where's Joe Burrow? How's Joe Burrow? No, no, Joe Burrow's 26. So 26. It's yeah. Just, it's, it, yeah. It's hard to get your brain around that only three years in and he's 26. So I'll go Justin Herbert. If you're going to leave him on the board. I mean, the guy is a giant. He's got a rocket arm. He can run when he needs to. He's tough. I think he, he played for multiple weeks with plenty of discomfort in his chest from that hit that he took against the Chiefs on the, the first short week Thursday night game of the season back in week two. So give me Justin Herbert. Both of these guys, I think, going to be getting massive contracts before the season starts. Look, I'm not sure I would have said this before this year, but I'm saying it now. I'll take Trevor Lawrence especially after seeing him in the second half of a playoff game, really take charge. And everybody will say, well, what about the first half? You know, he was a bonehead in the first half. The whole team was, was terrible and all that. And, and I would just say, there come times. It's like when I asked Tom Brady after the uh, 28-3 comeback against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, how does it feel to, uh, to have played the best game of your life and the biggest game of your life? And he goes, it wasn't the best game of my life. He said, the first half, I was terrible. And I said, but that's what great quarterbacks do. They come back from a horse crap period of football, and they basically 
take your team out of the wilderness, put that team on your back and take you to win the game. And then he plays a competitive game uh, against Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City the next week. I'll take Trevor Lawrence and I'm very happy with my first two guys. I, I would have taken Trevor Lawrence if you hadn't. I am going to go from one Justin to another Justin in Justin Fields, the guy that allows the Bears to not take a quarterback with the first overall pick, the guy who has become the best running quarterback in the NFL in only two seasons. He is dynamic. He is exciting. And somehow they only won three games with him last year. They develop him as a passer, and he is going to be a top-five quarterback regardless of skill set. He's already the number one running option in the NFL at the quarterback position, and that's Justin Fields. Let's take a break. We'll do round three when PFD Live continues right after this. All right, the best quarterbacks, 25 and under, in honor of Justin Herbert turning 25 today. We've got two rounds done, and we actually have time, shockingly, because usually we're rushing out the door in the final segment. we got time to do two more rounds. Peter, who you got? Show me something, Daniel Jones. And I would not have taken Daniel Jones in four rounds in this draft a year ago, but I think now he's got the right person building his team in Joe Shane. He's got the right people coaching him in Brian Dable, Mike Kafka. Uh, I think he has a golden future. I don't know if he's going to be a great NFL quarterback, but I think he definitely can be a winning NFL quarterback. Daniel Jones, my third round pick in the under 25 or 25 and under uh, draft of quarterbacks. This is a tough one for me, and it shouldn't be tough. But because of Kyler Murray's injury, because of the recent comments from Kelvin Beecham that he needs to grow up, and there's been some blowback to Beecham for saying it out loud, but it kind of confirms what everyone's thinking. There is a maturity factor at play here for Kyler Murray. How committed is he going to be to becoming the best quarterback he can be? Will he be the same when he comes back from the torn ACL. This Cardinals team is just in a weird purgatory <clears throat> funk right now. And that's kind of what it feels like Kyler Murray's career currently is too. But all that said, I, I still got to take him because when he's a hundred percent, he uh, he's one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in all of football. I like that pick. Um, if I, if he was on the board right now, I would have had a hard time passing on him. But, Mike, I think I'm going to take Mac Jones over Kenny Pickett. Wow. I'm taking Mac Jones. I'm going to take Mac Jones because I trust Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien is going to uh, remodel, as they say, word of the day, is going to remodel Mac Jones in the um, sort of in the vision of a good pocket quarterback who, when he needs to leave the pocket, he can. Only thing that worries me about Mac Jones is the weapons around him, especially if Jacoby Myers leaves in free agency, which I think he probably will do. First of all, palaver is the word of the day, not remodel. Remodel is a distant second to palaver. And secondly, what happened to Tua? You didn't even struggle between 
Mac Jones and Tua, it was Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett. I got to go with Tua because when Tua's healthy in that offense, he's spectacular. He was an MVP candidate in that offense when he was healthy. If they can get him to figure out how to play in a way that doesn't result in his helmet hitting the turf and he's doing jujitsu in order to learn how to fall properly or just get rid of the ball before you get hit. But if they can get him available for 17 regular season games in the postseason, Peter, I think he can still be a great quarterback. But I will acknowledge that is a gigantic if. It's a big if, and that's the only reason why I would have picked him in the second round. I just don't trust him long term. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but it's hard to trust long term after seeing what happened to him this year. Not making the list along with Davis Mills, Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, and Zach Wilson, along with Kenny Pickett. Uh, I don't think Zach Wilson would have made it in a 10-round draft, but uh, who knows? Have a great weekend. Enjoy the start of free agency, which is coming on Monday. A lot of news over the weekend. We'll be tracking at PFT. See you Monday. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.